There we go. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dining with UC Dietetics. My name is Emma, and I'm the secretary of SDA, and I'm here with a couple other members if you guys want to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Christina, and I'm the vice president of SDA. Sorry, that was, <laughs> I, like, interrupted you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Bree, and I'm a second year. Hi, I'm Madison, and I'm a third year in dietetics. Go Bearcats. Alrighty, so our question is today, today is all about International Women's Day, which was last Sunday. Woo, go women. Um, so our question slash check-in topic is having you guys talk about some influential women in your lives. If you celebrated the day, um, maybe which woman or special lady in your life has been most influential. So yeah, we wanted to talk all about women. That's a really great question, first of all. I didn't really take the time to reflect on that for International Women's Day. I just, yeah. But when I think about it, I would definitely have to say um, my three best friends. They inspire me all the time and are like the kind of friends I had always hoped I would have when I was in high school and I'm really thankful that I have them now they we just always um are so encouraging and uplifting to one another and we can joke around but also we are like vulnerable and encourage healing and um we don't have like petty arguments or anything which I definitely used to have in high school so they inspire me and they are my lifelong girlies forever. I think my uh, biggest inspiration is probably, I feel like a lot, I feel like a, this probably would be like a common answer, but my mom, um, I just, uh, she always has words of wisdom for me whenever I'm going through tough times or like, even if I just need to like, to cry or like to vent, she's always there for me and she always has my back. Yes, I would also say um, my mom, obviously, I love that that chick. Um, but then also <laughs> um, when I, I don't know, when we were kind of like talking about this question, like one of the first, two of the first people that pop into my mind are um, two of my cousins, they're sisters, um, and I don't have siblings. So like I was always really close with my cousins and I went to like every they're only a year older than me and I went to all of the same school schools as them so literally saw them pretty much every day growing up and they both go to UC too and so it's always fun when I get to see them or just like go to a coffee shop or whatever with them but they are just they're both they're so different and they're like doing their own different things but they are just like I don't know they have so much like confidence in themselves and like just like a drive to like change the world and like they are like own unique ways and that's really inspiring to me so and they also I always appreciate they always like check up on me and they like I don't know I know they care about me so that's really great. <laughs> I definitely have to piggyback on what all of you guys said my number one lady in my life is definitely my mom shout out Paytrex I know she'll be listening to this episode um but yeah, she's always been my number one supporter in everything I do. Um, and my like 
number one fan. I like I like to joke that she has an Instagram account, but ninety percent of the Instagram account is really really horrible pictures of me. Um, and I feel like a lot of moms' Facebook and Instagram accounts are like that. But also similarly to what Madison said, um, the girlfriends I have made in college have been like so amazing and so influential. Um, and I know that there are friendships that I'll keep for the rest of my life. Because similarly to what you said, Madison, all of the girlfriends I've made in college do promote such an atmosphere of like healing and being open and being vulnerable and accepting of each other and accepting of differences. Um, which has really created like a safe space that I haven't been like used to, which is incredible and so uplifting that I can celebrate every International Women's Day with them. But yeah, those are some influential ladies in my life. All right. Well, that was super duper fun. But um, today, the the, um, topic of the podcast episode is all about mental health and self-care. And so like basically just to like start it out pretty much like do you like practice self-care and like if so like how do you do that Uh, I think that's a great question for me like I started doing this like recently as recently as like the start of this school year but I started going on like just you know taking a walk around like campus whenever I'm just like stressed out because sometimes I'm just like feel overwhelmed and just like being in my room doing classes is just too much and so I just need to like get out and get some fresh air and especially now that it's getting warmer it's really really nice outside. I guess I can go next. Um, I definitely agree with Yuri. I have been taking advantage of this warm weather as much as possible. I kind of realized like last week how much I rely on like warmth and sunlight because I saw a TikTok that said, um, I don't think I have like seasonal affective disorder, but I feel like I'm a lot sadder in the wintertime. And um, the TikTok like said, Uh, Like, you didn't realize you had seasonal affective disorder until, like, it was warm in March and you felt like you were on a party drug. Um, I've never taken a party drug, but I imagine it felt exactly how it did, like, the other day when I was walking outside in the sunshine. Absolutely amazing. Definitely um, amped my mood. Some other forms of self-care that I take into account every day are just, like, my nutrition, obviously. Like, making healthy food to make my body feel good. I also love journaling. I always start my morning with a little bit of self-reflection and then some meditation and then, you know, just some fun stuff. Like, I think I'm going to take a bath tonight, use some Epsom salts, um, some essential oils, something like that, maybe a face mask too. Um, But yeah, those are my most used and favorite forms of self-care. I was literally going to talk about that TikTok too. I We must have seen the same one because, and it's like so true. Like it's insane. Like, and that's my favorite thing. Um, Like living on campus is like the past couple of days when it's been warm, we've had like our windows open and everything. And even like in the afternoon, you can, afternoon, you can just hear like the frat houses like bumping with the music and like everybody is just like so like into it and it's just just been so comical to like watch go down but um 
yeah, same. I love a good walk um, for self-care. And then I also, I don't know, I always find myself, like, when I've had, like, a stressful day or, like, whatever, I just love, like, getting outside and, like, going on a run. That's just, like, one of my favorite things. It's always, like, helped me clear, helped me clear my head and, like, I don't know, just relieve stress. So that's always been the best way for me. Um, as well as just, like, I don't know, like, just intentionally taking time to, like, put my computer away, put my homework away, and just, like, get in bed early and, like, watch a show that I like or something. I feel like I don't do that as often as I should, but um, I don't know. I feel like even though it's really simple, I just – I always think that that makes me feel better. I totally agree with everything that has been said, especially the bath and, um, like, skincare. I love that form of self-care because it's, like – a tangible thing that you're like taking care of yourself and it feels so good love that um and walks of course like especially during the fall time I love walking around and looking at the leaves and you know stepping on the leaves it's the little things um but as far as like every single day I will always have a fiction book that I'm reading um and this has like helped with my self-care and mental health overall immensely because I it was easy for me to get so locked into my work and like what I'm learning in school. And I found that having a fiction book that I'm reading completely takes me out of that situation. And it just allows me to go to another world and, um, you know, just have fun. I love to read. I have a a book Instagram if anyone's interested, but, um, yeah, that is definitely a huge one for me is reading and music, of course. Yeah. Yeah, what I love about this conversation is that it is like it really points out how individual it is for everyone. Like we all like I don't know, it's not a one size fits all by any means. Um, and like different things help different people. And that's what I think is like so important to understand is that okay, like if you see that your one friend does this, but maybe that doesn't make you that doesn't make you feel good and that's not how you care for yourself, like that's okay. And that's great that we all have like different things. Going off of what Emma just said, how everyone has different self-care modes for themselves, do you guys practice different forms of self-care for different situations in your life or for different stressors? I definitely do. Like, if I'm going to, like, if I'm thinking about my peak, like, over-the-edge, stressing to the max, teary-eyed, bawling, sobbing, you know, like, the peak amount of stress, my self-care will absolutely look different. And um, what that has been for me, and it's kind of coincides with nutrition because we talked about it in my nutrition counseling class about just forms of change or whatever. But anyway, um, it is picturing myself as a child, as when I was a child or like looking at a picture of myself when I was a child. And um, like doing that brings me back to like, the foundation of like who I am and how worthy and special that I am like that's so deep but um it just kind of yeah just grounds me and reminds me like you are and once were a little girl with like not a care in the world and um dreams and like so many different interests and things and you still matter you're still worthy and like you are still you have the same amount of worth that you did then as you do now, if that makes sense. Um, so taking it to the extreme, 
that is what I do. And I have found it to be immensely helpful. I definitely think similar to you with my stressors. Um, With self-care for me, with things like taking a bath or doing a face mask, those are things I do like once every two weeks. And it's not really a direct response to a stress. It's not like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed with my school assignment, so I'm going to go take a bath. Um, Those are usually just times when I step back from my hectic life and realize like, okay, I've been doing homework 24-7 for like three weeks straight. It's okay to have a me night and enjoy a bath and enjoy a movie, maybe paint my nails, maybe light a candle or two. Um, So I like to implement those to kind of keep a routine so that I don't get in a rut of never taking care of myself. Um, But I like to implement small Um, like modes of self-care every day like the journaling and meditation so that again I'm continuous with this and almost like methodical so that I never get super overwhelmed because in my past I have I had a really big problem of like I hate crying and I hate seeing myself cry so I would never let myself cry never let myself show emotion and then once every like two months I would start bawling in the shower And now, like, I can meditate and journal every morning. And so when I have these daily anxieties, I can just put them on paper, look at them and realize, like, oh, like a lot of this anxiety is just in my head and writing it down and being able to see it in front of me makes it a lot more manageable and makes um, getting to my goal of not being as anxious a lot more tangible. And then with those reoccurring anxieties, um, and stress, stressors, I often like bring those to therapy. And I think that starting like therapy and going to therapy has been like the number one act of self-care that's been like most influential for me. Um, and in therapy, like I worked on setting boundaries, which I think is like an incredible form of self-care. Um, and something that my therapist challenged me to do is coloring. Cause I realized I don't have any hobbies outside of like school work SDA like I don't do anything else with my life so she challenged me to coloring so I have some like adult coloring books and some pens and pencils um that like once a week I sit down and I just color for an hour and I used to think that that was like so stupid like a waste of my time like I could have been getting ahead on my homework I could have been doing something for SDA working more hours whatever but now I have like that set amount of time where I can just like spend with myself listen to music listen to a podcast and just not have a care in the world, kind of like what you said, Madison, like remembering that like I once was like someone that didn't have to stress about all of these things. So just getting back to that very like young little like girl, like energy I have inside to like want to color. But yeah, that's what I do for different life stressors. I know for me, um, something like a thing that differs like sometimes I can't go on a walk in between like you know classes or something like that or like and then some of my more rigorous classes are just really stressful and I can just feel my heart like beating faster right before they start and so it helps to get like it helps when I can just get like a glass of tea like right now I have a bunch of peppermint tea so and it's really good by the way (laughs) and like just a warm glass of tea and just some deep breaths can help kind of like center me and then like okay I'm ready to take on this challenge and I also kind of to all of your points like I think that kind of brings up the fact that 
Um, and I feel like I've kind of had this mis like conception about it in the past that like, I don't know, like you only have to do self care like when like something bad has happened in your life or like I don't know, like a something big has happened, whatever. But it's like no, it's like it can be a daily thing and like so intentional and your life could be great and you could be so happy but like it's still so important um I don't know if that like makes sense but um but yeah I thought that was cool um but when me and Christina like we're kind of talking about like topics that we wanted to talk about um throughout this episode we one of the things that we thought we wanted to touch on was I don't know have you guys ever thought of like taking time for yourself have you ever felt like that was like selfish or has that ever like kept you back from I don't know taking care of yourself or like I don't know are there any other barriers or like things that I don't know keep you from taking care of yourself I agree and I've also experienced that um and on the other hand I've also been in a place where like there could be a really big stressor, whether that be family or friends or uh, school or whatever, where I feel like I totally just need to take myself out of the equation. And I have felt selfish. And um, at the same time, like, I have gotten pushback from the other person, like, say, for family things or whatever, they might not understand why I, like, can't come to something because like I might just be having a really bad day and they kind of don't get that and and in turn I've like felt selfish in those situations but like Christina said like through therapy and learning a lot about boundaries that has really helped me to remind myself to not take those things personally and approach them in a way where hopefully the other person like doesn't feel offended or hurt but at the end of the day like I'm not responsible for their emotions and if I'm like taking care of myself that is ultimately what matters but I think at the beginning of your self-care journey it's really easy to feel selfish um but at the same time even though that word has such a negative connotation that isn't necessarily a bad thing and you don't have to even word it that way if you don't want to but I just don't think that it's bad to be selfish sometimes, you know? I definitely agree with what you have to say, Madison. I was going to say the number one form of self-care that I have that I feel is the most selfish, even though, like, I know it's not, is, like, setting up boundaries because I'm a people pleaser. I want to do everything I can for everyone else in my life, and I'm usually the last person I go to. Like, I'm the last person I think of in most situations, most equations, um, so setting up boundaries and having to, like, not distance myself from people, but really focus on myself and sometimes put distance in place, I feel has seemed very selfish from my end because at the end of the day, I want what's best for me and I want what's best for, like, me and my mental health. Um, and I'm, I always fear that that comes across as selfish because um, I always want to be as, like, kind as possible, but self-care is sometimes selfish, like, putting yourself first um may seem selfish to some people but it might only seem selfish to the people that don't understand self-care and that are like what you said in the beginning of their self-care journeys um and some other like roadblocks that i see myself putting up are like school 
which is horrible, especially when like UC doesn't give us a spring break and thinks that we can like push through this semester without any sort of mental break. I have been prioritizing school since like middle school and putting school in my grades and outside of school like extracurriculars first. Um, but realizing that I get burnt out so quickly has been a huge roadblock for me because I again like I feel selfish taking like 20 minutes of my day to, like go take a bath when I have so many assignments due next week um or yeah like getting fear from other people for like going to therapy I mean therapy is an amazing thing but unfortunately it has like a stigma attached to it which doesn't really matter like I don't really care about people's opinions of me going to therapy because I know it's helpful for me and it's helpful for my self-care journey but I know before starting it I like I have friends that are in therapy too and I always felt like oh my problems aren't big enough to go to therapy or like there's not enough happening in my life like I have a good life if I go to therapy people are gonna think that my life is like horrible like it's a shithole and like I need to like get out of it but that has also been like an amazing form of self-care for me um but again like in the beginning stages of my self-care journey I really feared the judgment of others like any misconceptions that may come along with it but as I said like at the end of the day I'm the only person I have for the rest of my life so might as well put the foundations down that um, allow me to have a healthy mental state and also like emotional state as well because putting myself first is in my opinion my best form of self-care but it's that like daily practice of doing stuff to like build up that foundation that is like so important. I think also at the same time, um, you, you're kind of doing a service to the other person by putting boundaries up because like if you aren't taking care of yourself, then like they wouldn't be getting the best version of yourself. So hopefully people can come to understand that more. Um, but I definitely think like in the long run, in the long run, it is beneficial to both people. I definitely agree. I don't know if any of you guys relate to this, but I feel like I have a social battery, um, like an amount of time I can hang out with people before I like immediately crash, like get really frustrated, get really short with people. And I found myself like doing that like before going into therapy like I'd hang out with my friends like COVID safe of course like as much as possible um, because I was missing that lack of connection and then I was with people constantly and then I would start being like super mean to them just because I was so exhausted from like seeing people and like hadn't been taking that time for myself and now like doing my coloring every week and like doing other things for me like I'm a lot less short with like my roommates and my friends that I see. Um, so like, I totally agree. I think that other people are benefiting from me setting up boundaries and me doing my own self-care, even if they don't realize it, but maybe hopefully they do. Switching topics a little bit, just because we are nutrition majors, we love our vegetables. We, you know, we love all the things. Um, you know, diet culture is like a really big topic, I feel like to our major and so, how what kind of effects do you think that diet culture and just like a lot of um false like nutrition information like being spread online um and such like has had on um mental health um i feel like this is something 
I could talk about for seven million years. I'm very passionate about this. Um, so going into college, I initially majored in psychology and was planning on getting a minor in nutrition, but then I realized how much I love nutrition um, and wanted to become a dietitian. But now I'm like, wait, I love psychology. So now I'm trying to also become a psychologist one day. So I will, I'll update you on that. But anyway, <laughs> I listened to the, um, the eating disorder episode um, with the dietitian that you guys got to interview. And it was incredible. And I think that she touched on a lot of really great points. Um, but I would say like diet culture you can't have a conversation about diet culture without also talking about mental health because like they're just so intertwined and it all comes down to someone like feeling that their worth and their value is held within a number or the way that they look. And obviously that's completely false and it's like extremely detriment detrimental to the individual and society as well because it's like, continuing to be perpetuated over social media and um, the more people continue to feed into it. So as far as nutrition goes, obviously we all have a passion for healthy eating and um, I think that most of us can agree that um, I feel like we've talked a lot about intuitive eating and really listening to your body and how you feel and like your own hunger cues and getting back to that is extremely important. And ultimately, I think that that can um, break maybe not diet culture as a whole, but I think as individuals, if we like all try to advocate for that and um, hopefully encourage others to do the same, I think ultimately that could break diet culture because I know for me as I've gotten into intuitive eating um that has like freed me from a lot of my disordered eating habits that I've had in the past and I just hope that like us as future dietitians or future health professionals that we can um, bring that into our practice and like advocate for people if that makes sense yeah, no, it definitely does. Hearing you talk about intuitive eating just makes me so excited because I feel like we all are proponents of intuitive eating. And since we're all not about to go into the field, but we'll all be in the field soon, I'm so excited for the future of like intuitive eating and that being a norm rather than like diet culture and fad diets being the norm. Um, but in terms of diet culture, like the first thought that came to mind for me um, is in regards to working out. I was always like told when I was younger, oh, like girls work out to get skinnier, like girls work out to get like toned and like get lean muscle and all that. And so I always had a hard relationship with working out because I also modeled in high school. And so there was always this terrible like center on like losing weight, losing inches. And there were like workouts specifically for like getting that lean muscle, getting like super long and lean and like whatever the heck that means. But now like I've started working out and I've started strength training and lifting weights. And I've really fallen in love with the idea of like working out to get stronger. Um, and that kind of aspect and breaking that like diet culture, like working out to be skinny. And also something that like Claire mentioned in our episode with her, um, she's the eating disorder recovery dietitian. 
Um, and something that we talked about in community nutrition today is the idea of health at all sizes, which I think is just, that needs to be like a billboard like everywhere. Like health at all sizes is such um, an inclusive and such an accurate description I think we all need to adopt because it is so true. Like you can be healthy at any size. Like size is not a, um, like a descriptive factor of like how healthy or unhealthy you are. Um, so I'm super excited again for like, our like year of future RDs to like bring that into the world of like nutrition and well-being. I just yeah I think that that's such like an important message and I think um, maybe not I don't really know um, but maybe like not everybody in that class had like heard of that concept or whatever so I I just think I was like yes Dr. Lee like you go because yeah I think that's so important but um what I'll also say is just, like, even though, like, I don't know, I've known I wanted to be a dietitian since I was, like, in high school, and shortly after that, like, I found intuitive eating, and I, like, really learned how to, like, kind of, like, spot, like, diet culture and kind of, like, um, I don't know, like, fads and things like that, and I don't know, I feel like I have a pretty good, like, gauge on that if I'm, like, scrolling on social media, but like even then and like even for someone that like studies nutrition and is like kind of like involved in that world it's still like a daily struggle um it's so hard because I don't know I am so passionate about intuitive eating and um and I totally like preach that I feel like we talk about that in like every episode because it's just like it's so good um and then even then it's it's like diet culture like it still like exists and so like it's so hard. Um, but what I will say is that just like, it's not, um, just for anyone who like, just like learned about intuitive eating or is like still working on like, kind of like dealing with like the effects that diet culture has had on them and like has had on like their, I don't know, their like thoughts about food. Like what I'll say is that it is in no way like a linear journey by any means. And like every day is so, different and um I don't know I would say just like yeah just that it's like not a linear journey and that no one is perfect but like to keep going and keep trying because I don't know it's gonna be so good so that probably doesn't make sense but no that makes sense I like it reminded me because like for me whenever I think of diet culture I just think of people in my life who have like who are like overweight or obese and have tried to go on these fad diets to lose weight and they'll lose weight and then they'll go off and then or like they'll gain they'll gain it back and they'll be dejected or like maybe they'll go on one and it doesn't really work and they'll be dejected and they just think oh it's just not possible for me I can't I can't be healthy this isn't just something that like I just can't do it and I think that that's just so sad that like Diet culture creates the mentality of there are people who can do it and there are people who can't do it. And if you can't, well, that's too bad. That sucks for you. Like that shouldn't be a mentality that we have and that we propagate. So that's my thoughts. I totally agree with you, Ree, and I'm glad that you brought that up. And I think that definitely goes into the health at every size. Um, and like, Christina, you're mentioning like how excited you are for this, like, generation of dietitians coming up and um it's really cool because 
in our one of our CP classes, we had we had to read an article about um, the history behind the BMI. And basically, after reading that, most of our consensus was we want to dismantle the BMI because it's not a good indicator of health at any means and like does way more harm than good. So that is like really interesting and um, encouraging to look forward to as future practitioners because we talked about like how to use counseling where we don't need to use BMI. And um, yeah, that is just exciting because personally, I don't want to implement that into my practice. And if I do, like if I have to take labs, um, which obviously we're going to have to on our internship and stuff, but personally, I'm interested in like private practice. And so if that ever happens, I, that's not something I could see myself sharing with my patient because it's just not relevant information to their health. Um, Madison, not to like put you on the spot or anything, um, but like for like if somebody's listening and like maybe they had like never really like known that like maybe BMI wasn't the most accurate representation of health, like could you just like explain like really briefly like why like you not to put you on the spot, but sure, if you no, don't mind, yeah, I, I just think that could be good. Yeah, definitely. So um BMI, like for those of you who don't know, there's different levels to BMI. So you can be underweight, I'm using air quotes, okay? Underweight, normal, overweight, obese, and then there's different classes of obesity after that. So just to give a tangible exam example, um for me myself personally, I'm under five foot. And the BMI tells me that I'm overweight because it's curated to people who are over five foot. And um, on top of that, like that, the stigma of hearing the word overweight or whatever, like puts into my mind, like, oh, that must mean I'm unhealthy. But I am, I have, since I've learned about the history of the BMI, like not to go too far into it, essentially it was established by a statistician um, a long time ago. So not even a health professional, literally just a guy who did statistics. And he used white European males to establish the standards of a healthy weight. So not only is was it not curated by a health professional, it was essentially racist, white European males and sexist. And then from there, it was loosely... Um, generalized to the public and to go even further there are different standards in different countries so for example in china the bmi level for between normal and overweight has a 0.9 difference which is a lot and um so like their standards of if this makes sense their standards of being overweight could be our normal here in america so it's just not productive because it doesn't when it comes down to it it doesn't diagnose anything it has no like no potential for any type of diagnosis like you when you want a diagnosis from something you get lab values you get lipid panels you get micronutrient macronutrient levels whatever those that those are what your indicators would be for future diagnoses but the bmi is literally just a label it's the same thing as a number on a scale and I'm sure people out there who may be listening, they might have different opinions about this, but just after learning about, you know, the history behind it and how it's used in nutrition counseling, I just don't see it to be productive or relevant. 
And to reiterate, like health is like health is so individual. So it looks so different on so many different people. So to try and generalize and put every person onto a scale, it's just that's never gonna that's never gonna be accurate, no matter what you do. Um, so I, I don't know, but yeah, I just thought that that was like an interesting thing that we could add on into the podcast for sure. Um, but I don't know. Um, so just like, how do you, I mean, still like in this nutrition conversation, but I definitely think like nutrition is like a really amazing, like form of self-care, like one of my favorites, obviously, like that's why I like I'm going into it. So like, I don't know, how do you guys see nutrition and like exercise and just, just overall, like taking care of yourself in those ways? How do you see those as self-care or like, how do you practice those? This kind of ties into our earlier question of how I use self-care for different forms and different stressors in my life. But as far as physical exercise is concerned, I have made it a priority to work out a couple times a week. Um, And I found super helpful for me. It's like if I'm really angry about something and I don't really get like super heated very often, but if I'm like so angry, like want to punch a pillow kind of angry, I'll like go to the gym and I'll put all of that energy into like working out and um, like crush a workout to get my anger out. So I don't like, you know, crush a human being, Um, just like crush a workout instead. Um, (laughs) But also like nutrition, of course, plays a huge role. I've with intuitive eating and listening to my hunger and fullness cues more so in college, I really realized like what foods make me feel good and Thursdays are my longest days like I have an 8 a.m. and then I'm doing this podcast until 7 p.m. So I always know that I'm not going to have the most time to like make really healthy nutritious meals that'll keep me full for a long time and keep me energized so that I can keep like working and pushing through all the stuff I have to do. So I always prioritize um, on like Wednesday nights to kind of plan out like okay for breakfast I'm going to make oatmeal for lunch I'm going to have that like leftovers for dinner I'm gonna have this so like I need to take out like if I'm gonna have chicken for dinner then I need to take out chicken in the morning and like defrost it um and I'll make like to-do lists like I'm a big to-do list girl and that's probably a form of self-care I have too but I'll really prioritize um making sure I feel good so I don't get stressed over my nutrition because I never want to be stressed about the foods I'm eating because I'm so passionate about eating and so passionate about food so I always want that to be like an easier portion of my life and I know Madison you just posted a grocery haul on Instagram and I like absolutely loved it and I feel like grocery shopping and trying new foods at grocery stores is such an underrated form of self-care like spending an extra like 15 bucks every two weeks to just like try fun things at Aldi or Fresh Time um such an underrated form of self-care yeah I always try to prioritize my nutrition because I know like I'm not going to eat super, super healthy, air quotes healthy, um, in a day that I'm not going to like feel my best and I'm going to feel more groggy. So I try to always, you know, focus on fueling my body with foods that make me feel good, but also eating foods that are, um, provide like emotional satiety. Like I eat ice cream almost every night religiously. Um, and I feel like that's a form of self-care, like treating yourself air quotes for that as well to like some ice cream every night, I think is this form of self-care. But 
yeah kind of a rant about like all things nutrition and physical exercise obviously because we're all so passionate about it when like what christina was saying like i have like a very similar schedule to her on thursdays like we just have a lot of class and then sda and recording the podcast and like I don't know. And I definitely get stressed on like days when maybe I don't have like a lot of time to like, like prepare like a really like nice healthy meal and like all that stuff. But, and this is kind of unrelated, but um, I don't know, just like another message that I think is important is that like, it's okay that like not all your meals are perfectly healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay if not all of your, like your meal, like you should always like strive to have a balanced meal, sure, whatever. But, like, if it doesn't end up that way that day because you're busy, like, that's cool. And you're going to wake up tomorrow and the sun will rise and it'll be fine. Like, it's totally okay. Uh, So, I don't know. That just made me think about that. And I think that that's also, like, something that is important for me to, like, remember because, I don't know, like, the other day I was really busy and, like, I didn't have time and, like, I decided that I was, like, gonna go to Panera and I was like Emma like you I feel like you've been like eating out so much but I'm like Emma like it's okay it's not the end of the world like are you like it's it's seriously it's fine so no that's a very random rant but I just thought I would stick it in there um but then also like again like kind of similar to like what Christina said like um nutrition for me like I don't know I know that like um like eating nutritious foods and stuff. I know that that's going to make me like feel my best. And so that is like something that like, I don't know, motivates me to do that because I don't know, I wake up in the morning and I'm so ready for my bowl of oatmeal, nutritious and delicious. And I know it, it sets me up for success that day and just like puts me in a good mood. And like, I kind of touch on like exercise as well, but like, I don't know, like I, feel like I sleep so much better when I exercise and um I don't know like like I said relieves stress so I don't know I feel like it just helps me be the best me that I can (laughs) this is off topic Emma but I know you're addicted to oatmeal how many days in a row have you eaten your own oatmeal with like granny smith apples like do you have like has it been like a year now that it's every morning So many people, this is so funny because my roommates and I talk about this too, but it's been like, it's a lot, it's, I'm on a really good streak. And okay, okay, okay. What I, I think the last time I didn't eat it for breakfast was maybe like, I don't know, maybe last Thursday I made pancakes or something, but I just love my, my oatmeal in the morning. Oh, I will say that like, that's like, it's good to have variety in your diet. Like I, I wouldn't recommend eating the same meal every day. But for oh, me, I have it's like with blueberries every morning for breakfast. Yes. And I feel like there's something oddly comforting. Like I like to have variety in like my other meals, but for breakfast, I like to have my oat, my blueberries, and my cup of coffee, and that's like gets me like centered and ready for the day. So I think sometimes it can the like just having like the same thing can be good. <laughs> Yeah, like, for me, it's just, like, such a part of a routine, and it's also just, like, very convenient. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's my justification for eating a meal. I guess maybe I should change it up, change up the toppings or something. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I completely agree. I I don't have a consistent breakfast meal, but once I, like, get into a certain food, I'll eat it for a week straight. Um, but, yeah, food isn't that deep. 
like food isn't that deep if we're being completely honest and I just wanted to like harp on that because of what you said Emma about like if you're super busy and you need to like yeah go to Panera enjoy their delicious mac and cheese like once in a while like yeah you'll wake up the next morning your your progress won't be ruined whatever the heck progress means like nothing is going to be ruined you'll still wake up and be the same whole amazing person you were the day before you'll just have enjoyed that Panera mac and cheese or whatever it is that is making you feel upset. I think going along with um, intuitive eating, I wonder, I don't know if this is a term, but I feel like intuitive exercise should be a term because like Emma, you said you love running, girlfriend. I'm on the opposite spectrum. I despise running more than anything. Like I really hate it, but I love cycling. Like I will, I love going to cycling classes. I miss UC cycling classes. Like that was my form of, um, physical self-care. I felt so good during and after, like that was incredible. And then at the same time, like there are days when I just want to do yoga or, and maybe stand in the same position for like 10 minutes straight. And like, that is, not the same type of exercise as like cycling or running, but it feels really good for my body and like my mental health. So I want, I'm wondering if any of you have heard a term for that, but I just feel like intuitive exercise is is the only term I can think of. I don't know a term, but I love that term. Let's, let's use that now. But I would say I'm in the same boat though. I am not a runner. I was, I was the kid in gym class who, whenever we had to run the pacer, I was the first one like out. (laughs) But um, so what I do in the unfortunate part with like COVID, we haven't been able to have this, but I'm part of a show choir. And so we've been having like, on, we've been doing online stuff, but it's been, it's been interesting. But last year, um, like just, we do so much like dance stuff. And then I would take a dance class at the rec center. And like, that was more ballet, but like, it was just both were really like fun and just a way to like, stay active but in a way that I enjoyed because I just don't like running. All right well we've been having such a good combo but to kind of like wrap things up like do you have any advice for somebody that is I don't know struggling to implement self-care into their routines or like really good strategies that have worked for you? I would say where I started I feel like was um the Instagram, the holistic psychologist. She's a queen. I absolutely adore her. And she has incredible journaling prompts that are anybody can do. And they're super easy. And um, that was kind of what snowballed my journey with self self care as I began to, um, you know, try to see what works for me, I guess, but she gives really thought provoking questions to get you to the point where you are more um, inclined to take care of yourself. So I would definitely say to start there, her journaling prompts are free and they're great. And she has encouraging posts on Instagram too. She is like one of the very few psychologists that um, like really promote like healing to the core, if that makes sense. Um, just from like, like if someone can't get therapy or anything, can't afford therapy, like she's a really good um, resource for you. That's what I would say. And she has a YouTube channel too. Yeah, something that I would suggest for people um, is to just start small. 
Um, I know that we have like recommended a lot of amazing forms of self-care. Yeah, just start small. Maybe start with like doing a bath one, having a bath once a week, um, enjoying peppermint tea before your classes, doing um, a face mask, implementing like small things here and there and kind of like experimenting. Like maybe you hate baths with a passion, like sitting in your own like dirty water like disgusts you because I know that there are a lot of people, unfortunately, that feel that way. Um experiment maybe try journaling um maybe yeah reach out to or like look at the do you say it's like the holistic psychologist on instagram yeah look at her journaling prompts see if those um help you kind of like think about your self-care journey um also i'm sure there's like youtube videos on different forms of self-care um yeah just starting small and working up to like what you're comfortable with and what makes you feel good but at the end of the day, just like focusing on yourself and your well-being, because that is the most important aspect to focus on with self-care. Yeah, that was almost exactly what I was going to say. Um, but I want to add that, like, sometimes if you're like trying to start out, like practicing self-care, sometimes it can help to just take a moment out of the day, like a second or like a minute and just say, like, what is one thing you're grateful for? Or like, think about that thing. Like, what is one thing that like, like, gosh, I just want to admire this right now. Like, I'm grateful that to be here because of this thing. Like, and that can help you kind of like, keep your mind focused on the positive. Um, Cause I think that's also an important part of self care. It's like anti self care for me. So anyways, um, thank you to anyone who is listening to the podcast. Um, I hope that you hopefully got something out of it and then thank you to you guys for coming on the podcast today seriously it's been one of the best convos I've honestly learned a lot came up with some new strategies that I might be implementing so so yeah but (laughs) anyways thank you to everyone listening and come back within like two weeks for the next episode